Please be aware that this is for professional investors only. So, good morning and welcome to this month's NAM Talks. Now, before we dive into today's topic, um, I'd just like to draw your attention to the fact that we have live translations uh, available in various languages. So, to access them, what you need to do is just click on the interpretation button below. Um, and in addition, if you have any questions, you can always contact us via our corporate email, which is nordiafunds at nordia.com. Good. Let's get stuck in. Um, our topic for today is decarbonisation. And for that, I am joined by Hilda Jensen, who is Head of Fundamental Equities at Nordea Asset Management. Good morning, Hilda. Good morning, Paul. Hey. Now, Hilda, we've been hearing a lot about decarbonisation, particularly you know, with all the media coverage that we had around COP26 in Glasgow at the end of last year. Um, so today, what we wanted to do was sort of dig a little bit deeper into you know, what it is, why it matters, um, but also, most importantly, perhaps, what we're doing um, to decarbonise our investment strategies. Now, before we do that, I just wondered if you could help give us a bit of clarity, because you know, investors have been faced with lots of jargon around uh, you know, climate metrics, initiatives. We hear terms like net zero, Paris Align, decarbonisation, temperature footprints, and so on and so on and so on and so on. Where should we start with decoding all of these different buzzwords? Yes, as you point out, Paul, uh, a dear child has many names. And I think this is really also the case. Uh, and I, I can certainly understand why investors are quite confused about what the different terms mean. But I think at that very high level, when we're talking about all these terms that you just mentioned, I think it comes down to one thing. And this is a part that both governments, the private sector and us as individuals have to have a big part to play in. And that is, it's all about um, making uh, a lower footprint uh, carbon-wise on the planet. So this is really what it's all about. Yeah, exactly. So all these paths lead to the same destination, ultimately. It's about lowering CO2 emission. And we can use these terms, you know, interchangeably, basically. I guess we probably will in the course of this morning. That is, that's right. Exactly. So first question then, you know, as a portfolio management team, how do you go about you know, assessing the companies that you're looking at in terms of their net zero alignment? Yeah, so I think it's, it's really important here to, to highlight how investors should really do more than just uh, the surface uh, look at, at every fund that they're considering investing in. So, so this is really uh, the key takeaway. But in terms of our approach to selecting those companies that make it into our portfolios, we focus on two key elements. The first is, of course, the overall target set. So the end target set in, in 2050, which is um, really uh, what we're looking at uh, in relation to the, the Paris alignment. But for us, it's actually the shorter term milestones that really uh, makes the difference. So I think it's absolutely fine, of course, to set a 2050 target. But I think more increasingly so, what investors are going to want to know is what the specific milestones are going to be in the next five to 10 years. Yeah. 
And I, and I guess, you know, so we've covered like how you as portfolio managers look at this. What about me as an investor? How can I reduce my emissions in my investment portfolio? Well, here, Paul, I think one thing to, to highlight is that exclusions are not going to be the only solution going forward. And this is why I think it's really important to be active in one's approach to seek out those companies that have the ability to uh, both set targets, but also to potentially improve their targets going forward. And this is also our approach. So we work very closely with our clients uh, to explain and to communicate how exactly we do this. And I would like to share an example with you. Sometimes it's easier when we put some numbers on um, these specific examples. Here we have the Global Stars portfolio, which is one of our equity solutions. And uh, the Global Stars is benchmarked against an overall benchmark index, the MSCI All Country World. And here you see a side-by-side -side comparison between the portfolio footprint and the benchmark. As, as you can see, there's a significant reduction on day one. So if you were just to invest today, you would achieve a 56% reduction. But we don't think it's enough to just show that today, uh, as a snapshot, uh, we are doing better than the index. We also want to set portfolio KPIs and targets. And uh, if we assume that the index will be reducing its footprint by 7% annually going forward to 2030, so we're jumping forward eight years, then this portfolio will still be favorably compared on the footprint, as you can see uh, in the graph. So I think here there's two key takeaways. One is that investors can get the benefit of decarbonizing on day one. And the second part is that the longer one stays in the portfolio, it, you will keep improving your footprint over time. And of course, the big caveat, as you know, Paul, the, our holdings will change over time, as will the index components and weights and so on. So this is not a static number, but this is um, a, a fairly good estimation of the way forward. Okay, so what we're saying is, is basically even investing today, it looks amazing, but going forward, it's going to get even better. But presumably also there are certain you know, key triggers that you see in, in terms of you know, achieving a lower portfolio, um, portfolio carbon footprint. What would those triggers be then? Well, for us as active long-term investors, the two key triggers that we have is that the first, we're able to screen out those worst emitting companies that have no ambitions of improving in the future. And this is really important part. The fact that they don't have any ambitions or have expressed any ambition is just as important as the actual footprint for us. So it is just as much about the strategic um, impetus from the different companies as it is for the snapshot uh, footprint. The second part is that we actively go in to, to see, um, to evaluate the milestones that have already been set to see to what degree we can actually push companies to do even better on some of their key parameters. And I think related to this point, you sometimes you also actually help companies set targets by having an active dialogue with them. So I think this is a very sharp tool that we have in our toolbox as active long-term fundamental investors. So I guess what we'd say there is, you know, it's not only about you know, feeling good, it's also about doing good as well. So 
real world examples are always a great way to, to illustrate the point. And I saw from uh, the slides that you have a case study on the waste management industry for us today. Yeah, waste management is one of the companies that are included in the Global Start strategy. And we think it's a, it's a very interesting company, both from a financial and uh, an ESG perspective. And I think they've set some interesting uh, and good targets when it comes to carbon emission reduction and also in terms of boosting their ability to uh, recycle materials. So waste management is a U.S.-based company, and they provide, as the name suggests, uh, waste management services um, to primarily U.S. customers. And they have set some targets in terms of uh, boosting their investments into the recycling capacity uh, at the order of half a billion U.S. dollars over the next four years. So um, the company expects that this will, of course, help them reduce their overall footprint but also boost productivity in terms of recycling processes and uh, potentially also lower costs uh, in that um, it, they uh, will improve the, the product quality. So I think there's a lot of good things that might come out over the next few years um, with this. And I also think it's interesting that we picked an example from the waste management industry, which is um, a very high emitting sector as such along with uh, metals and, and cement. So I think if one is looking to have uh, a good uh, impact over the years to come, potentially, this is an interesting sector to look at and, and be engaged with. So Hilda, I'd be really interested in hearing you know, what you feel investors should look for when they're selecting asset managers um, in, you know, to reduce their portfolio's um, carbon footprint. I think to, to highlight what we discussed before, exclusion is, is simply not enough. And I think um, while that is can be a part of the strategy, it should not be a standalone strategy. So I think from an investor point of view, there are three specific areas that uh, I would highlight to, to be in focus. And the first is, of course, a deep research ability um, and, and a, a large team, both uh, integrated with uh, responsible investment capabilities and fundamental investment capabilities. So really looking at those joint two uh, skill sets um, to be integrated throughout the process. And this is of course, to be able to early on in the, in the process, figure out which companies are uh, potential tail risks to be eliminated, but also the ones that could offer some interesting investment opportunities. The second part I would look at from an active management point of view is the ability to engage with companies and also the track record of engaging with companies. So that ties into the third criteria, I think, which is recording. Uh, obviously, one can highlight all the great things that we're doing, but we also have to be able to report on uh, what, what we're doing. And in this uh, case, um, our ability to, to help reduce CO2 footprint. Okay, now I have an important reminder for everyone, and uh, that's that on the 2nd of August, we have the MIFID changes coming into effect. And so I just wanted to point out that the STAR strategies are all MIFID uh, eligible for clients with sustainability preferences. So, you know, the STARS range covers multiple asset classes and regions. Um, so they're kind of like building blocks that you can use to create um, a MIFID eligible portfolio for your clients. Plus, 
as we've been discussing today, at the same time, we can potentially help uh, meet decarbonisation goals as well. Now, I guess MIFID eligibility is another topic that you're involved in as well, Hilda. Yes, we are, Paul. And I think this is going to have a, a very big impact in how advisors work with clients today. And if I can put some numbers on it today, there is about uh, a little less than two trillion euros worth of sustainable funds out there to be distributed um, in, in European markets. And if we look at the net flow numbers for last year's fourth quarter, about 60% uh, went into to these sustainable funds. So clearly, this is going to impact a large portion of the market. Uh, in terms of how we work with our clients, I've been involved with, um, with uh, providing content and, and also the framework of how to integrate some of the key parameters into our investment process. And one key ingredient has been the discussions around principal adverse impacts. And this is the cornerstone of the new MIFID requirements uh, that are going to be put on the table in order to identify those funds that are truly sustainable. And, um, and I know that there's a lot of questions and there will be even more questions as, as we go along. But August is, as you pointed out, this is the timeline that we're working up against. And I can say on behalf of the equities uh, stars portfolios in my team, we are um, in the category of Article 8 plus. So I feel confident that we will make the cut on the MIFID eligibility for platform distributions um, at, uh, at the advisory level here in Europe. Great. Well, let's uh, take a look at the key takeaways from our discussion this morning. And first of all, um, net zero and decarbonisation are clearly at the top of the mind of investors right now. But as we've mentioned a couple of times, exclusion alone isn't going to help with the transition that we all need to make. Secondly, simply by investing in, for example, our Global Stars equity strategy, you already have a lower CO2 profile than the index, and we saw that was quite a considerable uh, drop. But in addition, we've also set targets to further reduce portfolio emissions uh, moving forward. Thirdly, uh, when selecting asset managers to reduce uh, carbon footprint, investors should look at three main criteria. Number one, uh, research capability. Number two, the integration of engagement. And number three, the clear CO2 reporting. Now, Nordea offer a range of dedicated ESG equity and fixed income solutions, um, and they can act as MIFID eligible building blocks for your responsible investment portfolio. Those were the highlights from today. Any final thoughts, Hilda, before we sign off? Uh, thank you, um, Paul. And I'd like to, to say to uh, the audience, thank you so much for listening. Um, I am personally excited about being part of lowering the global carbon footprint. And I also look forward to working with our clients to achieve this goal and to also take the opportunity, last but not least, to thank all of our clients for the trust that you have given us. Thank you. Brilliant. Well, thank you too, Hilda, for joining us this morning and explaining everything uh, so clearly. And as ever, I look forward to catching up with you uh, again soon. Finally, before you go, uh, if you are looking for additional information about this topics or anything else, you can always find more at www.nordeaassetmanagement.com.
That's it for this month. See you next time.